Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Julie and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, November 9th. Today we are reading from the big book and we are at page 161. We'll be reading the first paragraph for context and sharing on the second paragraph. Today's readers are Ginger C, Christine M, Lisa H. The reference number for Tuesday, November 8th is 9244. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Joanne L. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, everyone. This is Joanne L. from Rhode Island, and thank you for your service, Julie. Step one, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Joanne L. I will now ask Anita L. to read the 12 Traditions. Good morning, everyone. This is Anita L. from outside of Philadelphia. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. 
Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive eater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Anita L. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 161, starting with the first paragraph. Now this house will hardly accommodate. We will be reading through the second paragraph. The first paragraph is read for context only. Our comments will be focused on the second paragraph read. I will now ask Ginger C. to begin reading. Good morning, and thank you, Julie, for your service. I'm Ginger C., recovered compulsive overeater in Colorado. Now this house will hardly accommodate its weekly visitors for the number 60 or 80 as a rule. Alcoholics are being attracted from far and near. From surrounding towns, families drive long distances to be present. A community 30 miles away has 15 fellows of Alcoholics Anonymous. Being a large place, we think that someday its fellowship will number many hundreds. But life among Alcoholics Anonymous is more than attending gatherings and visiting hospitals. 
cleaning up old scrapes, helping to settle family differences, exploiting the disheartened son to his irate parents, lending money and securing jobs for each other when justified, these are everyday occurrences. No one is too discredited or has sunk too low to be welcomed cordially, if he means business. Social distinctions, petty rivalries, and jealousies, these are laughed out of continence. Being wrecked in the same vessel, being restored and united under one God, with hearts and minds attuned to the welfare of others, the things which matter so much to some people no longer signify much to them. How could they? Um, I'm just really struck with the last paragraph that I just read. Being wrecked in the same vessel, you know, this is this is the connection and the bond that each and every one of us has because no one is exempt from the power of food and where it took us to and the pain and the devastation. So we all know and we all connect and we all identify in when we hear our stories and what happened to us and our hearts open because of that. And then being restored absolutely by this one God. It's only by the hand of God that each and every one of us is on this line today, especially those that are recovered and no longer plagued by this food obsession that we've had neutrality restored and, and our minds have been, the obsession has been lifted. And then with the hearts and minds attuned to the welfare of others, that sentence especially, I just go back to Virginia Beach again because that was the beginnings of everything. I just felt really emotional today. Um, I didn't know anybody in that room. I had never even been on the vision line. I just had my Ebby tell me over and over, Ginger, you've got to listen to vision for you. This is amazing. This message is so powerful. The recovery is happening. People are getting out of their food nightmares. They're finding hope. How our program evolves. There's a message out there that's working and you've got to listen to it. And I never listened to it. I never went on the lines, but I somehow by the hand of God and the grace of God, I got to Virginia Beach. And then I met all these amazing people in this one particular group of Pennsylvania women. They just loved me the whole weekend through from when I first met them until I went back to the airport. They just kept with me that whole weekend and they just loved me. And they just didn't want me to be in the pain of this nightmare any longer. And they knew there was a way out because they knew of the big book and they knew of this message because they had been on vision and doing it. And they were recovered. So, yeah, the things that matter so much to some people no longer signify much to them. How could they? We were dying. We saw no hope. I only saw food to the end of my life and to my last breath. I never thought I'd be able to put the food down. And today, because of this amazing line, this amazing message, this amazing meeting following the directions, these clear-cut directions of this book, and ultimately, because of our higher powers, I have freedom today. I'm no longer a slave to food. When I got off that airplane, I went right into a Dunkin' Donuts and I texted my sponsor right away, how do I get to my next gate? I couldn't get past that. I had to stop. I had to smell. That was my life. And today I just walk by. It doesn't bother me. That's a miracle. That's unbelievable. You know, and the most important message now is that I stay recovered. 
I want to keep working this like my life depends on it, just like I did a year ago when I left Virginia Beach, so scared I was going to relapse again, because that's all I knew for 20 years in OA is relapse over relapse, that revolving door. I don't want to eat that bite again. And if I don't stay in 10, 11, and 12, fit spiritual condition, I'm absolutely going to. Like Harlan says, that buildup of human emotions is going to take me out. So I've got to keep doing it just today, one day at a time, just for today, like my life depends on it because it does, and so importantly, so my hand's there for that next sufferer. They deserve it too. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Ginger. Uh, I'd like to remind everyone that we're going to be focusing our share on the second paragraph read on page 161, which is, but life among Alcoholics Anonymous is more than attending gatherings. Who would like to share on this paragraph? Nessa R. Nessa R. Larry. Reva P. Reva P. Lynn S. Lynn S. Joanne L. Joanne L. Melissa C. Melissa C. Okay, we'll start with Nessa R, Larry K, Reva P, Lynn S, Joanne L, and Melissa C. Go ahead, Nessa R. Thank you. Good morning. Everything was so orderly today. Uh, This is Nessa R, recovered in Toronto, Canada. Um, The last sentence, the things which matter so much to some people no longer signify much to them. How could they? You know, Bill knows about what he is writing because he was so obsessed with becoming wealthy and powerful. And once he discovered the solution, all he cared about was passing it on to others. And so he knew um, very well this 180-degree turn in, in motivation, in objective, in life mission. And I, for myself, I, I never aspired to... Uh, to riches and power. I mean, this was not my, 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 my thing. But I had goals. I had goals for my life, and I had goals for my family's um, life, um, the, the direction of my, my, um, my family, how I wanted um, everybody's lives and futures to unfold. And I did everything within my power um, that I could to make sure to steer my family in that direction. And not only it didn't work, uh, it, to some degree, and in some instances, it actually backfired, and I got the opposite of, of what I was working for. And why did I do that? Because I thought, this is what's going to make me happy. I can only be happy if fill in the blank. And I pursued that with tenacity and perseverance and persistence. Um, you know, but now... Now, in recovery, my, my outlook is so much different. I mean, needless to say, that zealousness for my goal put me in such a collision course with everything and everyone. You know, my relationship with my family members was so poor. The tension in my family was so high. And it was all caused by me. It was all, it was all caused by me because I wasn't getting my way. But now, I'm interested in different things. You know, I'm interested now in being of service, just like Bill, being of service to my, uh, my family, for sure, my community, and my fellows. And this is what is bringing me 
happiness and contentment and satisfaction now. I mean, who, who would have thought, who would have thought that by giving up my life's dreams, um, you know, my, my sponsor told me, you gotta, you gotta mourn for these dreams. You gotta let them go. And by letting them go, I found something so much greater, you know, I, I, it allowed me to align myself with what God's will for me is. And for whatever reason, God's will for me was not what my will for me was. And my life is so much better now. And, you know, I can only say that the reason why I can align myself with God's will now and um, live a happy, contented life is because I unblocked myself from God, first by putting down the food, then by working the steps according to the big book. And I wouldn't have what I have today if I hadn't done those two things uh, and open access to my creator. Uh, I recommend it to everyone. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Ness R. I'd like to remind everybody to please mute their phone. Somebody is unmuted. I think they're eating. So Larry Kay, um, you're next, followed by Reva P. Thanks, Julie. Thanks for your service. Um, Larry Kay, Recovered Compulsive Reader from Chicago. So we read here uh, that, um, you know, that, that nobody uh, is has sunk to, it says no one is too discredited or has sunk too low to be welcomed cordially. The, um, you know, I remember a guy coming into uh, one of the rooms, this is a number of years ago, and uh, he was a really big guy. I mean, think like, you know, in, in excess of probably six, 700 pounds. And he came in with a oxygen mask on. He, I think he was a relatively younger guy though. Um, and uh, he came in and he was just welcomed you know, he's welcomed and, um, you know, and I can remember coming back and he, he came to the meetings and, uh, and people really, he began to take part in the meetings and he really, you know, really, um, seemed to be listening and so forth. And, uh, you know, he would share, had lots of, uh, challenges and so forth. And, and, you know, and I, I can remember, I wasn't always at that meeting, but I can remember just how supportive people were and, you know, just keep coming back, you know, wait for the miracle to happen. And, um, you know, people come into the rooms that way. And I know today that man, he's no, he's dead. I know that for a fact, this man is no longer here. Um, you know, he was a good person. He just didn't mean business. I don't say that from a place of judgment. Who am I to judge anyone? I hope you don't hear judgment in my voice. I don't judge him, lest I be judged. I just know his actions suggested he didn't mean business and he's dead and he's never coming back. And he had a family like you have a family. I have a family. He had friends that cared about him. He perhaps had so many things to live for and he's dead and he's never coming back. This is a deadly disease. You know, some of us come here and we're not perhaps as physically mangled as he was. You know, some of us do. Some of us come here, we are physically mangled. But the level of desperation, you know, um, needs to be there for us to mean business. Because, you know, there's an if statement there. If he means business. <clears throat> and you know what? Words, words are cheap. Words are cheap. Actions always will speak louder than words. It's always this program Lest I ever forget, this is a program of action, a 
I don't, I wish it wasn't. I wish you could come here and just sort of assimilate and take in the good feelings and the thoughts and just get it through osmosis. I'm sad to say you can't. You have to be willing to take action. You have to put down the food and you have to take definitive action. And that's the reality. And I say that if it's tough love, it's tough love. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. Reva P. will be next, followed by Lynn S. Good morning. This is Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto. The end of this uh, second paragraph really struck me today, and it reminds me that we're wrecked in the same vessel. We have the same disease. Um, You know, when I learn through the book who I am and what it means to be a real compulsive overeater, Um, it's wonderful to know that I'm not the only one because I really thought I was before I came here. I had no clue that other people did what I did, thought the way I thought, um, behaved the way I behaved. Um, But it's more than that. It's being restored to sanity. That's the difference. We're not here just complaining about how um, our weight is out of control or how much I binged you know, having a a contest about who binged the most, we're also united by a common solution. And on this line, um, you know, hearing a lot of people who are recovered, who don't need to or want to pick up um, because they just, they don't need to because they've done the work. Um, But And what also really struck me is hearts and minds attuned to the welfare of others Before this program, I thought I was attuned to the welfare of others, and it was really just control. It was, I will do for you what I think you need um, without even asking any power other than myself um, to sort of make everybody um, the way I wanted them. And um, right now, my mother is really not doing well. She is so confused. And, you know, my mind before this program would be, I have to do the medical stuff and take care of this and take care of that. Um, But doing the work, if I mean business, if I mean business daily, and I am amazed how much conscious contact with a higher power is required after all these years, every friggin' day, there is no letting up on this spiritual program of action No way, because I've only got a daily reprieve. Um, But the heart attuned to the welfare of others. I didn't want to feel, I couldn't feel, because I was so numbed out. Um, And that sometimes means I get really sad and I cry, but I am feeling human emotion without the need to pick up and numb out. And that is such a miracle. So I am so grateful for this program. Um, We all have a higher purpose that I never knew what mine was and I never knew how to do it because I was so blocked and I didn't even know I was blocked. With that, I pass. Thank you, Reva P. And Lynn S. and then Joanne L. Good morning. This is Lynn S. from Toronto, Canada, a recovering compulsive reader. This paragraph really strikes me in a number of ways. It strikes me in the history of AA and, and what they actually did for each other. And then, I, and then, of course, it makes me think of myself and cleaning up old scrapes 
um, boy, oh boy, you know, how my life is so different now than it was before and how things have really changed, helping to settle family differences, the relationship between my mother and I, which was such a bone of contention. I used to walk in the house and your dad says, you come in the house and your mother takes a tranquilizer and you head for the fridge. And that was our life. You know, it, it truly was. Um, being Knowing even in myself, you know, not being too discredited or sunk too low when I walked in, but then also after the relapse, you know, not having sunk too low or being too, talk about being discredited. I, I felt so low and so worthless and so baffled by this disease. But it's, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing how working the program changes everything. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking about the changes in my own life and, and then I'm wondering, but, you know, am I doing enough working with others? And then my mind flips to there's a, an OA person that we talk every single morning. And we do this. You know, social distinctions, petty rivalries and jealousies, they are laughed out of countenance in working the program and, and trudging the road together. We hear each other's stuff. We hear about the 10th step. We hear how the mind thinks, but then we see the transformation over years of working the program, how these things all changed. Why are we united? Because we were wrecked in the same vessel, and we still are. We still are. But we're also restored and united under one God. It's amazing. I mean, this really, this chapter, it's just one paragraph after another totally speaks about the transformation that's available when we work the steps. And what's really getting me is the things that used to matter so much no longer signify I was struggling so hard with the difficulty over a gardener. And I could not let it go. I, it was one more kick at the cat, one more tantrum. It's not fair. Nobody's listening to me, but I'm right. And finally, the ability to see it totally differently and sort of to to let it go, see it under God, let it go and be done. And those things that I wrote about in those fourths, the old ideas and beliefs and shared in the fifth and I'm working so hard on six and seven, they are being removed as long as I mean business and don't go back and open it up one more time. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Lynn S. And Joanne L., followed by Melissa C., Morning, everybody. This is Joanne L. from Rhode Island. Um, Julie, once again, thank you for your service. And if I don't speak up right now, I'll never speak up. I've been home from work um, because I had surgery on my foot, and I only have a few more weeks to go. And if I don't say something now, I will never say it, and I will never become recovered. I can't say I'm recovered because I'm not recovered. And I hear so many people on this line, and I've met so many of you that are recovered. But, you know, I'm reading the first line, and it says, but life among Alcoholics Anonymous is more than attending gatherings. And you know what? That stands out to me because I attend all these conventions. I was lucky enough to go to Virginia Beach and um, Boston, and I've been to Georgia. And, you know, it's just not enough. And I show up in this body of mine, and sometimes I get a sponsor, and then I start working the program, and then all of a sudden I just fall apart. And I stop working my abstinence, and then I think that I can do it on my own. 
and that is so surprising to me, you know, because I love God, and I know that God doesn't want me to be in this body the rest of my life, and I just feel I have a lot to offer people, and um, and I know I can help others. Even, you know, me not being abstinent, I have helped a lot of other people, but it's just not enough anymore. You know, I realize that I don't mean business, and um, if I don't mean business, I'm never going to get abstinent. I'm never going to become recovered, and so I have to stop now. It's just time, you know, to buckle down, you know, get a sponsor, start committing my food, and there's nothing scary about that. It's just a great way to live, and... um, you know, I have been with you people, and it says no one is too discredited or has sunk too low to be welcomed cordially. My God, you people have all opened your arms to me, and I've had many calls since I've been home, and I I can't thank you all enough. And so I, I just needed to get this out, you know, and to tell you that, um, you know, I am reaching out for help, and I know in the second hour I can do that. So with that... Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Joanne L. And Melissa C., you're next. Hi. Good morning, Julie. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C., Recovered, Compulsive Overeater in New York. And, um, you know, it's just this program uh, and these words are such a blueprint for me. You know, it's like I learned um, how to behave, how to how to live um, in the room in the fellowship, and then, um, you know, reminded that I have to practice this in the outside world. And, you know, so this morning, um, you know, without getting political, but waking up and, um, you know, restore to unity under one God. I, I need to, like, grab hold of those words and bring it right into my very heart. Um, and that the petty things that, you know, that seem so important, um, you know, no longer really matter. And I find myself on slippery ground when things that are really not within my control, within my power, really not my business, um, begin to consume me. You know, and so that means, you know, for this recovered woman, I can't get too political. I can't get too involved in nonsense at work. I can't stay on social media too much. I can't watch the news incessantly um, because those things are um, they're not good for me. You know, those things are like dangerous um, behaviors for me. And if I engage in that too much, um, it begins to become difficult for me to honestly play my dinner. I mean, that's the God's honest truth for me today, that if I get crazy obsessed with what's going on in politics, I start to get unsettled, and, um, you know, and so I'm really reminded here, what, what is my charge always? You know, my charge always is to be useful, to um, live in agreement with God, to um, have acceptance, um, and, and so that, you know, that I learn here, and when I can, um, you know, I learn that here, and then I apply it elsewhere, and so I can go into work today and feel loving and connected to people who might not agree with me about work-related issues or who might not agree with me about political issues, but um, 
that's okay. You know, I can be united with other people under one God. And um, thank you. And if I know that, then I don't need to keep um, thank you with that all pass. Thank you, Melissa C. And who else would like to share on the second paragraph that was read? Rachel W. Um, I heard Sarah W. Rachel Maureen. W. Oh, Rachel W. Maureen M. Maureen M. Anyone else? Okay, well, let's do Rachel W. and Maureen M. Harlan G. And Harlan G. Okay. Go ahead, Rachel W. Thank you, Julie. Thank you so much for your service. And good morning, everyone. This is Rachel W., Recovered Compulsive Overeater Calling from New York. And it was read before, but I'll read it again. Being wrecked in the same vessel, being restored and united under one God, with hearts and minds attuned to the welfare of others, the things which matter so much to some people no longer signify much to them. How could they? And to me, this speaks to the idea that, you know, so many people in the world, and I was one of them, you know, I, I, I believed in God and I, and I, and I did believe that there was like this something else out there and this power in the universe. I did, but, but how many of us that, that believed in God ever made it about God, you know, and, and, and said, you know, God, how can I be of service to you? What is your will? In this, I say like the language of step one is I can't do this. I keep binging. I can't get out of this. I, 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 and the language of two and three is you, you know, help me do your will for your power, your love. And, and so here, this paragraph is describing what happens when we come in. And, and I know for myself, I thought I sunk too low. My ego was so big after my relapse. I still marvel at this that my ego was so big that I thought my binging was contagious, that I shouldn't attend OA events because you might be affected. I mean, that's how big my ego was. Um, and I, and t- for today, I lean into the steps to keep it in check because that's the power I thought I had. So, so this idea of, of being so low, you know, that I, that I, that I, that I, I, I'm discredited and I sunk too low. No, 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 no. We're not going to let you feel like that. You're no, no longer does that work in these rooms. And when you're sitting with the 12 steps here to latch on to, and the truth is just staring you in the face, then no, that's not going to be an excuse anymore. I know for myself, and newcomers might appreciate this. I used to listen to this meeting, binging on donuts with crumbs on my chin going, wow, they really have something here, you know? And until one day I kept listening and listening. And then the truth was so clear that I had to listen even more. And it was all about coming to the point of being useful, coming to the point of understanding that, you know, that I'm, we're united in the problem, but also the solution. I'll just end with this. I know a famous, uh, I, I, I was at a lecture from a famous psychiatrist, and he was saying that when it came to choosing a cardiologist, when it came to choosing a lawyer, when it came to choosing other professionals, and this is someone who's really up there professionally, he chose people from the AA rooms. He chose the ones that he knew because they showed integrity they showed in perseverance they showed self-sacrifice they showed an openness and he said that it, it was something that was so unique to recovering and recovered people so i just want to say you know how grateful i am you know that we read this paragraph today and that last sentence section is like highlighted and mar- marked up and everything i just feel like this is a, such a beautiful reading and i got so much out of the shares and um i really am so grateful for this meeting and i'm grateful to have everyone on the line today thank you for allowing me to share Thank you very much. And Maureen M., you are next. 
Good morning, everyone. I'm really grateful to be here today, and I love this paragraph. Um, There's nothing that I can't do to work with God's will on a daily basis, and if I do that, I'm going to remain abstinent. Um, What would he have me be? I don't know. I I mean, what will be revealed if my mind is opened up? you know, we're all humans, and I and I know that social distinctions, petty rivalries, and jealousies, these are laughed out of countenance. Um, yeah, they are, but not sometimes without some, you know, um, yuckiness in between. And those uh, those are the things for me that are taken care of in the steps. Um, powerless over others, I'm powerless over food. I'm powerless over so many things, but I am not powerless over prayer and what God wants me to be. And this being wrecked in the same vessel, I love that because just this morning I was reading uh, There is a Solution. And, you know, to come together as one among many from steerage to captain's table is, it's unbelievable to me. It's miraculous to me. It's what I want to believe in. It's what I want to be. And I think it's what my higher power wants me to be. This is not easy, but thank goodness we have tools that tell us, wait a second, keep it simple, easy does it, one day at a time, because this profound personality shift sometimes takes time. I know it does in my case. And um, if I just keep showing up and I keep, Trusting God, cleaning house, and helping others, no matter what's going on in my personal life, then the things which matter so much to some people no more no longer signify that much to me. How could they? It's a wonderful way to live if I do the work. Now it's not easy. It's not easy digging up some of this stuff. It's not easy wading through this muck of shame and uh, unworthiness and deep-seated self-hatred because that's why I compulsively ate it. Of course, I have, you know, disease of the body, but it started right there in my mind and what I thought. And it ended in trying to kill myself with food and having an allergy to the body. So I'm really super grateful to be here today, super grateful to be abstinent and available to help other people. I'm blessed. Thank you for being there for me every day. Have a great day. Thank you, Maureen. M and Harlan G., you'll be next, uh, and then we'll be moving on to the next paragraph. Go ahead, Harlan. Harlan, we can't hear you. Can you hear me? Can I can. Yep. Okay, thanks, Julie. Thanks for your service. What this paragraph really says to me is the word priorities. When I was a little kid, every single day of my life was spent as, with the number one priority of getting as much candy in my mouth as I could possibly shove in there. In the face of rejection by everyone in my world, 
with the face of abuse in my face. The face of abuse in my face is terrible. Let me rephrase that. With people in my face constantly letting me know in the most brutal terms possible that I am unacceptable because of the weight I was carrying and the food I was eating, the priority of my life was to shove more and more food in my mouth because it was the only oasis that I had in the desert, the only eye of the hurricane that I had was that candy, that food that made everything okay. And now in recovery, my priority is completely shifted. My priority is a priority of service. My priority is a priority of faith. My priority is a priority of helping the next compulsive overeater who is still suffering. The world and its revelings be damned. I don't want to eat Reese's peanut butter cups today, and nothing is more important than what I have to do to make God the priority of my life so that he will come in and make it possible for me not to eat Reese's peanut butter cups today. The saddest words of tongue or pen are these few words it might have been. What could I have done with my life had I not had this illness? I don't know. But my life is complete today. My life has purpose today. My life has peace today. And my life is free of the hell of the food today because of this program. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Harlan G. And Christine M., would you please read the last paragraph on page 161 under only slightly different conditions? Yes, my name's Christine M., recovered in Missouri. Under only slightly different conditions, the same thing is taking place in many eastern cities. In one of these, there is a well-known hospital for the treatment of alcoholic and drug addiction. Six years ago, one of our number was a patient there. Many of us have felt for the first time the presence and power of God within its walls. We are greatly indebted to the doctor in attendance there, for he, although it might prejudice his own work, has told us of his belief in ours. And what's really standing out to me this morning is, um, you know, Dr. Silkworth, how he, he believed in our work, you know, um, one alcoholic helping another alcoholic. And it says, although it might prejudice his own work, so, um, you know, he, he was taking a chance, and um, thank God for him. Um, and then also where it talks about the presence and the power of God within its walls, you know, um, it, it makes me think of the presence and the power of God um, within my heart today and um, on this meeting and within this program. Um, so grateful today that um, for the people that have came before me, and for um, Bill W. and Dr. Bob and those who who blazed the trail for me, you know, and um, and and the rest of us, um, I just stop and think where I would be without that. Um, I probably wouldn't be here. Um, this disease is deadly, and um, the power of God does go deep. And you know, today um, I am free from the obsession from the food obsession, and um, 
I'm really, really grateful for that. Um, and, you know, without um, a power greater than myself and you guys on this line um, and the 12 steps and the clear-cut directions in this book, I would not be recovered today, and, and I know that. Um, so, you know, thank God that Dr. Silkworth believed in our work. And um, today, you know, I believe in this work as well because working with others, um, me helping another compulsive overeater is what um, is what ensures immunity that I don't take that first compulsive break. And um, that's all I have. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you very much, Christine M. And who would like to share on this paragraph? Okay. Charles H. Shannon B. Shannon B. Kathy K. There's a lot of background noise. Um, Kathy K. Hard for me to hear. Sarah W. Sarah W. Okay, I think that let's start with those four. Charles H. Followed by Shannon B. Go ahead, Charles. Thank you, Julie, for your service. Charles H., you covered compulsive over here just for today. Man, that, that first paragraph, being wrecked in the same vessel, being restored and united under one God with heart and mind, attuned to the welfare of others. I want to um, speak to that line for a minute um, and, and to let the newcomer know, if, thank God for... You know, thank God for the Oxford group, but thank God, a brother did a little research on the history there, that Clarence S. in the Cleveland group said, hold up, man, nah, nah, nah. We're going to have to break off a little bit because we want this highway to be broad. You know, we, we, we know the history. Y'all know the history. Y'all did a little backward, background. But, but the being broken and restored in the same vessel, what other vessel am I going to be restored in? This vessel right here had to had, had to uh, take some action. There is action in the first step. There is there is there, there is still action in the first step today, um, November 10, 2016. There is action. If I don't take that action, this vessel will be broken again. Um, but I want to talk to that under one God. Thank God for both groups in New York and in and in Akron and Cleveland that they broke off from the Oxford group so that the highway could be broad enough for everybody to find their own conception of God. And thank God for every pastor for saying that to Bill W., right? Because this is not about theology. Um, although that word God, excuse me, somebody's coughing, uh, I, I hope that uh, you can get restored and recovered in the same vessel that you're in. Amen. Um, you can be restored. I, I lost my train of thought, but you know what? I'm sorry, but the word God is in this big book at least 506 times. Um, but it, it's your own conception. It could be a group of donuts, a, a gang of dummies, whatever your conception, gift of desperation, it doesn't matter. But, um, you know, under the God of your understanding. So it's, uh, it's, all, it's for everybody. It's not just theology. So with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Charles H. And Shannon B., you're next, followed by Kathy K. Good morning. This is Shannon P., 
recovered compulsive overeater from New York. Um, thank you so much for your service, everyone, and I'm really happy to be here. Um, this is actually the first time that I've shared on this live recorded meeting. And um, so what, what came to me um, in both the paragraphs is about, you know, under one God, us being on the same team, regardless of what phase of recovery we are in, whether we're recovered, whether we're binging, whether we're relapsing, whether we're midway through the steps, we're all on one team. And um, so to not, not fight and not make ourselves adversaries to each other or different groups or, or whatever that is, but to keep the, the politics out of it. And that's something that I use in my life in different areas of my life, you know, with my fiance and with my kids and with my coworkers. Ultimately, we are on the same team. And um, to look at the traditions is the greatest progress comes from unity. So how can I do that today? Um, and the other part, um, you know, in the second paragraph is that word addiction. That is a strong word and that carries a lot of weight for me. And sometimes I can fool myself or the disease tries to fool me into saying, well, I'm a compulsive reader. I'm not necessarily an addict. You know, that compulsive reader almost feels like a, a, a sugar-coated word. But when push comes to shove and I'm an addict, is an addict, is an addict. And the only way for me to stay recovered and to stay out of the food is to live in 10, 11, and 12 today. And that requires carrying the message. And I have to do work with other compulsive overeaters. It's not negotiable. Um, and I have to do that to stay in a recovered state. And so I have to remember that each and every day that this is a simple program. It's not easy. It's a blueprint for living, and um, either I do it or I don't. I choose life or death. Thank you so much, everybody. I pass. Thank you, Shannon B. And Kathy Kay, you're next. Thank you, Julie R., for your service. This is Kathy Kay, recovered in Boston. Um, I am just really aware of how indebted I feel uh, to this fellowship. I had uh, had the opportunity to read parts of the big book for many years before I actually became willing to seek a relationship with a power greater than myself. And it was only by listening to others describe how they defined their God and how they came to know their God uh, that I was able to begin uh, that same journey. Um, so I, for me, it's important uh, to recognize and to acknowledge um, the role that we, each of us, has in our fellows' recovery. Um, I often encourage people that I work with to um, pick up the phone, call other fellow travelers, and ask them how they found a relationship with a God of their understanding. It's not easy. It's particularly not easy for those of us who have lived lives of agnosticism or atheism, um, and yet it is so powerful. And this paragraph reminds me that what enabled me to do that was 
this book in combination with loving fellows who were willing to take the time to help me get on this path. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kathy Kay. And Sarah W., you're next. Uh, thank you, Julie, for your service. Good morning. This is Sarah W. from Iowa, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Uh, in thinking about um, the medical view on AA, which is in the back of the book, um, on 571 in the, in the third edition and on 569 in the fourth, I was thinking about how um, it talks about the herd instinct and it talks about also the importance of they quote it as religious, but, you know, that we have this spiritual program and we have this ability to join together and how without the medical community backing, which we still have a long ways to go in OA, obviously, um, you know, uh, AA would not be what it is today. I mean, we wouldn't have had Dr. Silkworth or a lot of other people that have supported our our endeavors. And um, I was thinking about, you know, I walked into the room in 1995 through a, through a therapist that directed me this way, and I'm so grateful for that. And today I am truly grateful um, for the idea that I am a compulsive overeater. It's really given me a life. It's really offered me um, the ability to have authenticity. And I was thinking about, you know, what is God's will um, and how can I feel in alignment with that? And it's when my I figure out what my beliefs and value systems are, and I feel like I'm I'm working in that direction because that is what God would have me do and would have me be. And I was just thinking about how, um, you know, I was reading with somebody in the doctor's opinion, and you know, it's it's the language of the heart. It's whenever one, you know, two or more of us are gathered together, and we really share from our heart. And um, although we have a line that has a lot of people on it. I hope people hear that we are sharing from our heart, that um, that this can work, there is a lot of hope here, and that um, uh, when we reach out with humility and say, I need the help, it comes to us, whether it be to another person or just asking a higher power to help us, it does happen for us. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Sarah W. Um, it is time now to close our meeting. I'd like to thank everyone who shared, and please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing. We will now close the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Lisa H., would you please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Thank you. Good morning. This is Lisa, uh, Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Tennessee. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit 
and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. My God bless you and keep you until then.